Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So, <clears throat> many of you... Is my microphone on? Yes, my microphone is on. Uh, for many of you who <laughs> are new to Community Brookside, um, I want to start off this morning by telling you just a little bit about my own journey. So many of you who are regulars who have heard me talk, you've probably heard me uh, talk about myself more than you, you care to admit. Um, but today I think it's important for us to talk about the journey that all of us take to find Jesus. So uh, my story begins here in Tulsa. I was born at St. Francis Hospital here in town and then immediately taken to church, right? Um, so I grew up on the front row of St. Mark's United Methodist Church here in Tulsa. Uh, I've been a lifelong United Methodist. Um, my family, we came to the 855 service, and why it's an 855 in the morning service, I have no idea, like 9 o'clock. Just make it 9 o'clock. That, that makes sense. So our whole family, all seven of us, I have four brothers and one sister, and my mom and dad, all seven of us would sit on the very front row at 855 in the morning at our church. If you know anything about little children uh, and church, we know that it's once we get into church and once those children are on the front row that they begin to act like total crazy children. Uh, and so that was my family most of my time growing up. So church for me was always kind of more about going and making sure that we were there more than it was about me actually finding out who Jesus was. Um, so for a long time in my life, I would, I would have called myself a Christian, uh, but I don't think that I actually was. I was a church person, for sure, because I went to church all the time. My mom and dad were both very active at the church. My, uh, my dad was a Sunday school teacher for something like 20 years. My mom uh, kind of planned out all of our vacation Bible school uh, programming throughout the summer. Her and one of her very good friends um, wrote all the curriculum. They decorated all the rooms throughout the church. They changed our church every summer into uh, basically a biblical setting. It was, it was fantastic. Both of my parents served on committees at the church, and you know you've made it as a United Methodist when they ask you to serve on committees. Um, I was in Sunday school every week. I was in church every time the doors were open. The church was how I grew up. Um, but like I said earlier, I don't think I really could have called myself a true Christian at that point. So it wasn't until I was about 14 years old um, and we got a new youth pastor, right? So I had, I had just kind of started youth group uh, from, from I, I guess we started sixth grade. And youth group was awesome because it was pizza and basketball all the time. It was a lot of fun. We had a short devotion before we'd eat pizza. And then we would just basically play together and just have a lot of community. It was a lot of fun. Um, but when we got this new youth, path, youth pastor, he asked us to uh, change everything about what our youth group was. It was no longer about pizza and basketball and fun and play, it had now become about worship and teaching and Bible study. It became a lot more deep and a lot more focused on the person of Jesus Christ. And so it was my ninth grade year, I was 14 years old, that God did something miraculous in my life. And I don't know how to describe it to you today. I don't really know. But for the very first time in my life, uh, singing some of those songs in the late 1990s, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. And you're singing that right now. I know you are because we all know that song. For some reason, it was in the middle of that song that the story of Jesus Christ became very, very real to me. That he came from heaven to earth to show us what life should look like. He went from teaching us to dying for us. 
being resurrected and changing all of what life means. And, and through singing that worship song, my life began to really change. And it was when I was a 14-year-old uh, in, uh, you know, a freshman in high school and uh, a member of my youth group at St. Mark's that God called me into ministry. Um, so even though I was a Christian for 14 years before God called me and before I really even knew who Jesus was, I wasn't really a follower of Jesus. I knew all the biblical stories. I knew how the Bible went. I knew the kind of the general themes of uh, what Sunday would look like for us. I knew the, the hymns. I knew all the songs. But I never really truly knew who Jesus was until I encountered him in the depths of worship one Wednesday night. It took me a winding journey of 14 years before I really had that change in my life where Jesus became more than a story, Jesus became real. In today's scripture, I want to read to you a story about two men who were walking, who were on a journey, and then met Jesus face to face. This morning, I want to read for us, the, the story uh, comes from Luke chapter 13 verses, or sorry, Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 35. It's a story of a journey of two friends to the town called Emmaus. So if you have a Bible, you're more than welcome to open it up. Uh, But we're going to go full screen with these uh, Bible verses so that you can read along with me. Here's what the scripture says for us this morning. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And just kind of a side note, this is still Easter morning for us. The story comes from uh, Easter morning or Easter evening, actually. Verse 14 says, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is now the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then immediately their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. 
Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This scripture starts out with Cleopas and another uh, apostle or another disciple following Jesus, right? So these people we know are followers of Jesus because their hearts are troubled by what has happened. And they're walking heavy-hearted away from Jerusalem. They've decided that it's time for them to go home, back where they've come from. We can imply that since they were uh, followers of Jesus, now again, this is an implication. This isn't necessarily biblical in terms of written down there in Scripture. But uh, this, the, the situation is, if they were followers of Jesus, it was probably pretty likely that they had been a part of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Right? So Palm Sunday, I'm sure they were either with Jesus or along the streets. Maybe they were waving palm branches and, and singing Hosanna in the highest. Maybe they had thrown their coats down for Jesus and, and the donkey to, to walk across. Maybe they were just kind of hiding out. Maybe they were following Jesus into the city. Maybe they had come from around. We don't know. But if they were followers of Jesus, and it says they were, I'm sure they had a role to play that Palm Sunday morning. Maybe they had been there when Jesus turned over the tables in the, the temple. Maybe they watched Jesus' righteous anger flip tables and throw money everywhere and release doves and and sacrifices. Maybe they were there when they saw Jesus do this incredible thing in the temple. Maybe they were there in the crowd as Jesus was teaching from the temple steps. Maybe they had heard Jesus uh, tell these stories. Maybe they actually played a role. Maybe they were telling others to come. Maybe they were inviting people to come and see who Jesus was. Maybe they were in the crowd when Jesus was being put on trial at the hand of Pilate. And we don't know that. It doesn't say that. But we can make that assumption. Maybe they had been a part of the crowd that had been caught up in the frenzy that called for Jesus to be crucified. Maybe they were there. They were probably hiding. Maybe they felt like they had to fit in. Maybe they also screamed out, crucify him, crucify him, because they were caught up in a crowd. We don't know. But we can make that assumption that because they were followers of Jesus, that they were there somehow in the midst of that story. Although this is the first time we hear about the name Cleopas. This is the first time we see them. They had been with Jesus through this time. Whatever they had seen that Good Friday, and as they waited on Saturday, and as the stories came into them of Jesus being risen on that Easter Sunday, That whole story impacted them deeply, so much so that as they were leaving town, you could tell that they were not happy in the conversation they were having with one another. As they walked away from Jerusalem, they were heartbroken that Jesus was put to death because he was not the Messiah that they were expecting. He was not the one that was going to redeem Israel. They just knew it. They walked away. They they had left Jesus in Jerusalem, and they were going back to wherever they had come from. They were going on to Emmaus. So as this yet unknown person joined them, they were discussing what had happened that week and it was clear that they had fully dismissed the stories that their women had told them. They had fully dismissed the stories of the other disciples that confirmed that same story. Jesus' body was gone. But for Cleopas and the other man, it was time for them to to move on with their lives. They had made the decision to leave town because their hope in Jesus had expired when Jesus was laid in the tomb. Are you the only person visiting Jerusalem that hasn't heard about what happened? This is kind of a more polite way of saying, are you an idiot? Have you not been following along what's been going on? 
The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was such a big deal that I'm pretty sure if it happened today, it would make the news, right? I mean, first of all, somebody being crucified, I'm sure would make the news. But, but even in this ancient time, like this was big news. I'm sure that the word had gotten out. Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, right? They expected him to be a prophet. They knew that he had this voice that was calling out for justice and righteousness and that the kingdom of God was at hand and he was crucified. The most undignified death you can imagine. It would have made the news. So for them to be walking along and somebody just joining them, who clearly was going out of Jerusalem with them, have you not heard what happened to Jesus of Nazareth? They began to try to tell this man about who Jesus was. And even in their introduction, even when they begin to tell this man, who is Jesus, we know, uh, but they don't. When they begin to tell this man who Jesus is, they don't even introduce Jesus correctly, right? What do they say? They say, he was a prophet and a powerful man in word and deed before God and the people. It almost seems like this scripture passage is like thrown in there so that we can get an understanding that even though we know these people are followers of Jesus, even though that we know they had some you know, peripheral role in Jesus' ministry throughout at least Holy Week, that they don't fully even understand who Jesus is yet themselves, right? We know, and we have 2,000 years of theology to kind of prove this, but we know that Jesus is way more than a prophet. Jesus is God made flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Son of the Most High, right? They probably didn't recognize that it was Jesus walking along with them because they didn't even recognize who Jesus was when Jesus was alive. Their introduction of who Jesus was wasn't accurate. He was, in fact, powerful in word and in deed, but he was way more than just a prophet. So we can, again, make another inference here that either these two men were on the periphery of the Jesus movement. They might have been followers, but from a distance. Or maybe they just kind of missed what Jesus was, was doing. Some of those incredible signs that pointed to the fact that he was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was the Redeemer of Israel. So this still unknown man, who we know as readers, as Jesus, as he begins to telling them how foolish they are, he opens up scripture to them, right? He walked them through the absolute stories of all the prophets from Moses all the way through the prophets that pointed to this very moment in time where Jesus has come. He's died and he's been resurrected. These are all things pointed to by the prophets. St. Augustine, uh, he explains to us, sorry, St. Augustine, he explains to us in a quote from him, everything in the scriptures speaks of Christ, everything, but only to him who has ears. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and so we should pray that he will open our own. Jesus taught them something that day because they hadn't heard it before. So I want to encourage you, if you don't understand some of the scriptures, I want to encourage you to just pray about it. Pray that God would open your ears and open your heart to understand what God is doing in, throughout the word of God. But as Jesus was going to continue on from that time, like so he's ready to drop these guys off and Jesus is ready to continue on whatever journey Jesus is going to go on. They say, no, 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 you are so wise. Like you, you, wow, why don't you just come on in? You know, it's getting late. You haven't had anything to eat yet. Come and let us let us be our guest at this place. Be our guest. We'll serve you. It'll be great. Just come on in. And Jesus relents and says, okay, but here's what's weird. When scripture goes on, it says, 
then as they're preparing for the, the dinner that night, Jesus, who is their guest, takes the bread and breaks it and blesses it and gives it to them, right? So Jesus, in that, move, in that moment, moves from guest to host so that he could show them who he was. And it was made clear in that moment as Jesus offered the bread to them that they knew who he was instantly. Communion with Jesus Christ and with one another, it should change us deeply. When we can celebrate regularly the hope that we have through the bread of life and the cup of salvation, we're given hope anew, hope afresh, right? So one of the things that I have missed incredibly uh, with church being online and being so different is the fact that we don't get to do the sacrament of communion with one another. This time of physical distancing and social distancing is one when many Christians feel doubly exiled. We are not only not able to be here together, but we're also not able to be at the table with Jesus together. It's a strange, strange time. But today, our, our act, just you being here today, our act of spiritual communion with one another, allowing us to feast on the words of God, unites each Christian. Communion stands at the heart of a world that is sacramental. It must open our hearts to the presence of Christ in a world made through him, a world that, even though it looks very different from what we've known recently, Jesus continues to sustain. Our gospel reading today brings us to the source of a Christian's confidence and power. It's an encounter with a risen Jesus Christ which moves even these two followers of Jesus from despair to hope. Our Savior is dead. The Redeemer of Israel is gone. He is not who we said He was. To hope that all things were going to be put into place as the prophets and as Jesus had foretold. An encounter with Jesus Christ should always move us from despair to hope, from no life to new life. So my prayer for you today and for all of us as believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ is that whatever despair you're dealing with today, whether you, uh, we've talked about it so many weeks in a row, but whether you have just now found yourself jobless, or maybe you're a part of a company that's beginning to slowly move to open back up, and maybe you're living in fear because you don't know what's going to happen next. Wherever your heart is, know that Jesus wants to be there with you. And that when you truly encounter Jesus, it changes everything. Just like it changed my life when I was a 14-year-old teenager awkwardly sitting in church. Just like it changed the lives of these two disciples who didn't really know the full story of Jesus, couldn't really comprehend who Jesus was in his totality, they immediately left that room and ran back to Jerusalem. When they had that encounter with Jesus, they were changed. And so for my prayer for each of us this week is that we let the encounters that we've had with Jesus penetrate deep into our heart to change us. You may be sitting out there and you may have never really had a full encounter with Jesus. And let me tell you, if you're living right now with a guarded heart, if you're living as a skeptic about what faith is and about what the church does, 
it's going to be harder for you to have that encounter. But God desires that for you. God doesn't want to be a mystery to you forever. God wants to reveal himself to you. But sometimes we've got to let the walls of our hearts come down. So my prayer for us this week and my challenge for you is to tear down the wall around your heart. Be fully open to Jesus moving in your life to encounter with Jesus that could change everything about who you are. Be like these disciples. Move from the periphery of your faith into the very center of the Jesus story and take it with you wherever you go. This week, be a true follower, a true disciple.